Support the Amigos podcast and keep the Amiga goodness flowing for just a dollar a month. Visit our page at patreon.com slash Amigos podcast. Amiga, the first personal computer that gives you a creative edge. Amigos, the podcast about everything Amiga. Amigos is a proud member of the Throwback Network, your home for quality retro podcasts. And now, here are your hosts, Aaron Dowdy and John Bodovkar Schaller. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today we are going to talk about uh, Lotus Esprit Turbo Challenge 2. Mm. Uh, but before we do, uh, we got some feedback to go over. Uh, this past week, I've got to say, we've had a, a massive influx of feedback. And I don't know if it's because we re- we reviewed a game that people actually cared about or uh, or if we've just kind of hit critical mass all of a sudden. But uh, but thank you for writing in. Yeah, it's good news. Thank you. Um, so uh, Slack Dastard on Reddit, <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he, he wrote in, said that uh, Deluxe Galaga is one of his favorite games on the Amiga. And uh, here's a pro tip for you. Um, if you have uh, the NTSC version, if you have a monitor that can handle PAL mode, you get a bigger screen space to play by putting it into PAL mode. Were you aware of that? That doesn't surprise. It's, it's, I didn't, I've never tried it, you know, but uh, that makes sense given the, you know, how PAL and NTSC work. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, uh, anyway, that's just a little tip for Deluxe Galaga. Uh, Mark Johnston wrote in. Uh, he said, uh, hey, guy, just listened to a couple episodes and love the show. He didn't realize that we were in West Virginia, and uh, he has a podcast called Lock is Lit. And um, his co-host on that podcast actually bought one of Aaron's pinball machines. Yeah, I'm, I've met both those uh, fellas, and uh, I, I knew when they picked up the machine, I knew about their podcast shortly thereafter. I uh, I like pinball stuff. It's a good listen, and uh, I miss my machine. Disco Fever, it was cheesy goodness from the <laughs> 80s. And uh, it's I'm, I'm sad that it's gone, but uh, I need space. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Um, so, uh, we also have a little bit of Amiga news. Um, Ooh. Defender of the Crown, uh, one of the all-time classics for Amiga from CinemaWare. Love it. Uh, they are releasing, and by they, I'm not really sure who they are, but someone, <laughs> <No one> knows. <laughs> someone is releasing an extended collector's cut of, uh, and this is coming from CinemaWare.com, so whoever whoever owns that, that license now. Okay. And this seems cool. Uh, this is a big box, you know, a classic huge oh, PC okay. box, uh, physical item. Um, it contains all of the different versions of the Amiga, the CD32, the CDTV, C64, etc., which is what it says. So I guess, you know, there's even more out there. I guess the NES had a port. Um, it runs on the PC or Mac. Uh, and also on the CD32 and the Amiga. So I guess it just comes with discs, you know, CDs and discs and whatever. You're kidding me. So um, they're going to they're gonna ship individual discs for the different platforms? Well, right? my guess, if I had, I would guess that it's going to come with a DVD that will run the PC on a PC or a Mac that has all of these ports on it. But it also says that it runs on a CD32. So that would take an actual 
Maybe it's just a CD. Yeah, maybe it's a CD. Do you know? Can you play like burned CD games on the CD32? Absolutely. Okay, so that's probably what that is. Sometimes when you're like a a poor American, this is the only way you can get some of these games is to find them and download them and burn them. So, yeah. Right. Uh, It also comes with uh, extra digital content. So I'm guessing some uh, some making of stuff, maybe. Uh, Now, this is this is cool. It comes with disk files to create your own real Amiga or C64 discs. I see. So that's that's how they're. Wow, that's that's incredibly awesome. Isn't that cool? (laughs) That's so good. And in addition to that, it also comes with printable disc labels. (laughs) <laughs> so you can have an authentic, quote-unquote, dis- Right. That's great. It's got a real manual. Uh, it's got postcards, a poster, a sticker. It's limited to 500 units. The price, oh, delivery, it's going to come out December 2015, and it has estimated in parentheses, which may or may not be the actual release date. But it, it rolls in at 44.95. That's, um, a, that's an awful good deal. Uh, to me, that seems like if you're a big Defender of the Crown fan and you want everything, uh, plus, you know, I don't know how much of this stuff goes back to the Cinemaware, the original Cinemaware guys, but hopefully some of it does. 50 bucks, you know, under 50 bucks is, I mean, it's that's less than a, a current gen, you know, console game, and you don't even get a manual with those anymore. I will say this. Everyone go out and buy this because what I need is a Wings version of this. And possibly a TV sports basketball version. Absolutely. <laughs> or and, and many others. It came from the desert, Rocket Ranger. Mm-hmm. Just release them all. Because those a lot of those had multiple ports. And, you know, boy, back in the day when you opened up the box, you got maps and you got little cards and stickers or scratch and sniff stuff. You got all kinds of crazy stuff. And I miss that. That's the thing. Digital content. You get it. Mm-hmm. It's you mean, there's nothing there. It's nothing tangible. You don't get any of that ephemera. You yeah. Know, the real cloth map. I mean, you know, I collect comic books and I know digital comics are sort of a, the wave of things now. But I, mean, I just can't get into something I can't tangibly open and, and you know, pull out of the bag and look through. It's the same thing with video games. It's mm-hmm. hard to it's hard to get into them as much as you used to be because you got so many cool things with them. And just looking at the yard on the box sitting on your shelf is always nice. too. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I fully endorse that. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, so that's that's the our one bit of new Amiga news this week. Uh, Aaron, you've got some information about uh, Directory Opus. Yeah, I uh, mentioned this briefly last week that we when we were talking about the Deluxe Galaga and that show, and I uh, got a, a uh, uh, message from uh, Shane Armand Rowe, who I'm also mentioned that the Directory Opus was still in fact uh, being being made for the PC. So I thought. Just for fun, and just as a quick segment, because I don't want to bore anyone with a bunch of utility talk, I thought I'd look back and, and kind of get a brief history of Directory Opus. Uh, again, like I mentioned last week, it's a file management system. It's a, uh, it's a well, for the Amiga, it was a multi-paned system. It was created by a guy named Jonathan Potter, who we found out, this is how we got into this last week, is from Australia. And uh, um, I like to, th- I like to uh, just go into a few things about it. Uh, he, from what I've been able to ascertain, he had uh, programmed on a on a uh, C64. He sa- he saw a, a new computer called the Amiga 1000, picked it up, and eventually wrote Directory Opus or Dopus for short, as it's <laughs> commonly known. Um, he ori- he originally released it in 1990, so you're looking at 25 years. Uh, in fact, it was just over 25 years. It was. Uh, uh, I think you, I think the original release is like sometime in September or something like that. So it kind of kind of uh, paying tribute to the anniversary. Um, 
the uh, the original program he wrote up was a program called JP DIR UTIL or JP Dur Util. Uh, he uh, he wrote this to uh, to be able to access command line stuff from a graphic interface, which that's sort of what the Amiga graphics interface was for, and sort of what Windows is for. Um, one major feature that that utility lacked, which you know came out in Directory Opus. He went from, uh, instead of having one big window, he went with double windows or a side-by-side pane. That's Piled. Yeah. The, uh, uh, this was, you know, the, this was directory opus. This was the beginning of it. Uh, the, uh, the name, according to the author, uh, you know, opus comes from magnum opus or great work, right? And, uh. He he had a grandiose view of the Prowler program was going to do. That's a good name too, uh, not the Ping one. If any Bloom County fans out there, because stupidly back when I was a little kid, that's probably what I thought it was. Um, the uh, the first couple directory opuses released. Uh, this was never shareware, despite what people thought. Uh, according to an interview I read, uh, this was a heavily pirated program. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Uh, he. Uh, he he ran this for a long time, and uh, eventually, uh, Directory Opus P- uh, Three was published by a, an outfit called Invitronics. Um, from that, from then on, it was it was published by Left Side Software. Um, in '95, um, he Directory Opus Five was was released. He started a, a series called the Magellan series as well. Uh, he ran with the Amiga uh, for quite a while until director until uh, Magellan Two, which was the last version for the Amiga, was released. And uh, he eventually they released the source code for Director was four point two in two thousand, and uh, so you know they released it to the community. Uh, onward, he saw a lot of Amiga people were moving over to the PC, and so he followed suit. And he released uh, a version for the PC, which was Directory Opus 6. Uh, it uh, was pretty popular. It got a lot. It was a Windows Explorer replacement, which I mentioned to you last week. If you are familiar with the old Windows Explorer, uh, I guess is it's I guess it's still there. Oh yeah, it? I use it all the time. Uh, it's it's quite bad, and it's really not that bad. It's compared to this. This is this is all better. right. Let's throw down. What what can that do? That that Windows Explorer. Well, to be thing? honest, I have not used it in Explorer for the newer versions for years. Okay, yeah, so remember, this was this yeah. was two thousand. Well, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm not saying this is better than that now. Yeah. But in two thousand, it didn't take much. Uh, he, uh, you know, it had this pretty much the same stuff that the Amiga version had. It was the dual pane. Uh, eventually, uh, he went to a uh, to another. Uh, version of Directory Opus that did away with the dual pane setup and sort of had uh, multiple draggable windows with the with a column on the right hand side of the screen that had all the commands in it. Mm-hmm. He said he was surprised that the fans were so attached to the original dual pane that they didn't like this that much. So. I can't believe computer fans would like something <laughs> older. <laughs> well, <laughs> hey, I still like the start menu. Right? Um, anyway, long story short. Uh, Directory Opus is still available. It's um, up to Directory Opus 11. We'll put a link on the uh, on the show notes 
Uh, and uh, I guess he's still pulling in some bucks on it. So good for him. And uh, I think I read that he actually had released all the Amiga stuff into the wild uh, at this point. So that was also a pretty nice gesture. So if you're into, if you ever used Directory Opus and didn't know it existed on the PC and you're looking for something to... Uh, you know, give a shot for your file maintenance. I've I've been told it's got an excellent uh, m- uh, multiple file renamer built into it, among other things. Uh, give it a shot uh, and support a guy that was been around for twenty five years. That's really cool. I you know a lot of people might think that utilities are boring, but yeah. uh, but you know every once in a while it's cool to hear about because you know Directory Opus. I bet you that there was somebody you know at Microsoft that used Directory Opus. And or at least knew about it enough to incorporate some of those features into the newer versions of Windows Explorer. It wouldn't surprise me. And again, I've not used it on the PC, but I can tell you on the Amiga, it made painful everyday items so much simpler just by being able to use a button, mm-hmm. have that dual pane set up. It was it was tremendous. So, you know, again, the PC, the the Windows, the GUI has had advanced to a point now where that stuff's not as big a deal. But uh, I know the people that still use it swear by it. Mm-hmm. And so... And I still have to use, you know, I still have to use a lot of bulk rename utilities and stuff when I do the, the web development work that I do. And it's it's a pain. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I'm going to check out Directory Opus and see, you know, if it does something better. And I still drop the DOS box, the, draw, the DOS box sometimes to do things <laughs> because I'm old and set in my ways. Much like the people that didn't like the loss of the dual panel, I guess. Hi, everyone. I hope you've enjoyed listening to the Amigos podcast these past four months. Aaron and I really enjoy recording it each week. We're going to be holding a small donation drive to help support the show. Uh, If you'd like to contribute, head on over to AmigosPodcast.com and just click on the donate button in the upper right-hand corner. Thanks. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on to game. It's game time. All right. Um, so Lotus Esprit. Now, I'm actually I'm not really sure. Is the title of the game Lotus Esprit Turbo Challenge Two or just Lotus Turbo Challenge Two? I think it's just Lo- Lotus Turbo Challenge Two. What do you think? I've got. Well, I know the the original was Lotus Esprit Turbo Challenge. Right. And the third one is called Lotus Three: The Ultimate Challenge. Right. So. I think, uh, you know, the the Esprit, I think it's French, so I think you don't say the T. Um, Esprit, well, that shows you what I know. um, I also know nothing about cars, so it's a win-win. And I think that the Esprit is an actual, it's an actual model of Lotus. That's what, yeah, yeah, Yeah. it is. And then Lotus Turbo Challenge 2 also featured the Lotus Align um, SE, and that's why Esprit was dropped from the title because it just it had more than one, it had uh, it had more than one car. I know in my circles we called it Lotus Two. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. I, that's that's what I, that's what I think that's what everybody calls it. Um, but it's kind of it's kind of funny though. Uh, even though they included two cars, you uh, you don't get to pick. Yeah, <laughs> they, just, they assign you a car yeah. depending the, on the map. The player runs uh, with the Elan on uh, odd levels and the Esprit on even levels. So uh, interesting, interesting choice. Um, so uh, what kind of background info do you have on this one? Well, the uh, the game was released in 91, and it was released by an outfit called Gremlin Graphics. Uh, it was uh, developed by an outfit called Magnetic Fields, 
which is kind of an interesting name, and I believe that's a band. Yeah, the Magnetic Fields. You, also. You've yeah. actually heard of this band? Uh-huh, yeah. Really? Yeah. What, are they, what have they done? Uh, probably, I mean, they're not a top 40 band. They're kind of an indie indie outfit. But, uh-huh. uh, but you know, they. I'd say that they were, you know, on the same, you know, if, if you watched, uh, you know, 120 Minutes back in the day, you <laughs> might see kind of like Psychedelic Furs or, you know, some of those kinds of bands. Mm, I say so. I know exactly the college bands. Yeah, Which is funny because now... Yeah. I'm so old. <laughs> um, Magnetic Fields. Again, these are the developers. They were, they were founded in 88, and pretty much by the guys that did the game. Uh, the uh, the key people, uh, the programming director for the outfit was called Sean Southern, which we'll get into him later. Um, it was actually originally named, <laughs> I love the original name, Mr. Chip Software. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine why they changed that name. Mr. Chip. Uh, and uh, they they changed the name, needless to say. Um, the uh, They developed a, uh, a bunch of, you know, not a ton of games, but a bunch of games that I've heard of. Uh, just the, the highlights of what I saw on here. Uh, Trailblazer, uh, I'd heard of. Of course, the Lotus series, the Supercar series. Uh, that I had heard of as well. Uh, they actually... Uh, also, before they were, uh, when they were just Mr. Chips, they did a, a game called Pac-Mania, which I'd heard of. Oh, really? Pac-Mania? Like the arcade game? Uh, well, this is the not the arcade game. Ah. <laughs> uh, they, did, they did like three or four games for them. Uh, but the, the main ones they did were the Lotus series, the uh, Supercar series. Um, <clears throat> I think eventually they, they went away. Yes, they did. 99. Uh, and in 2000, a new company, sort of uh, by the same guys, called uh, Eugency, I believe. Is it E-U-G-N-I-C-Y? Eugency? That's uh, a strange. They developed them. Uh, they opened them up to develop games, but apparently they didn't make, they never released anything. Hmm. Bummer. Um, they... Uh, and they're they're long gone. It says here that uh, they released some of the, what they were working on on YouTube at some point in the late in the late two thousands, two thousand nine ish. The uh, the people that got to distribute the game, Gremlin Interactive. If you can't play this game without knowing that, because their name is stamped Posted, hither and yeah, thither. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, they uh, they were founded in eighty four, uh, and they were ended up getting absorbed uh, on down the line. A UK company. Both these are UK companies. Um, they were originally called Gremlin Graphics, and uh, they published some stuff for pretty much all the old systems, including some Commodore 16 stuff. I found out. So there's that again, coming back into play. I looked over the list of what they'd put out, and I remember seeing them back in the day. You know, occasionally, uh, the, the games that they did that I remembered particularly were the Hero Quest games, mm. which were based on the. Uh, the board game, if you ever oh, played it, okay, yeah, and uh, of course the Lotus, the Lotus stuff. They also did a game. Uh, I'm, oh, the Mickey Mouse <clears throat> Plan Nine from Outer Space, which is a game I heard about but never got to play. Really, uh, so is it based? On, I guess based on the film. Yeah, uh, Supercars, of course, and then the one that stood out. Oh, they did Zool and Zool Two. Of course, we remember that because right. again, they were all over that. But mm-hmm. the, the one game that I saw in here that I played the hell out of it, and I, I don't even know why, it was a game called Techno Cop. If you <laughs> if you can remember that, I know you probably never played this no. boat. It's this gory. I don't even know how to describe this game, but it's fun. It's a fun game. Is it kind of a RoboCop <clears throat> takeoff? Yes. 
but yeah, it is. It's mm-hmm. sort of like a uh, if RoboCop and Narc had a kid, sort uh, of, yeah. sort of a uh, hybrid game of that uh, nature. Um, eventually, Gremlin um, acquired DMA Design. Really, did not know that in '96, and in uh, in '99 they were bought. The collective was bought by. Info Infogrames. Oh, Infogrames and later it, acquired Atari. And they renamed, well, here's the hilarious part, and this is just some stuff I saw on Wiki. They renamed uh, Gremlin Infogrames Sheffield House, and they bought it for about 24 million pounds. Huh. A lot of money. I wonder if they were, uh, if they were, if they had offices in Sheffield. That's <laughs> my old stomping ground. Well, there you go. Yeah. Well, this may shed some light on that. Uh, the studio closed in 2003. Well, so, so did everything else in they Sheffield. They paid 24 so. million pounds for, for effectively a four-year run. <laughs> and the building they occupied has been demolished. A demolished? Demolished. <laughs> demolished. <laughs> and um, it was supposed to be renamed Atari Sheffield House, but I, don't, I guess they... I guess it didn't happen. Yeah, that's... So I guess, but it's funny you should say something about Atari because that's what we all know. They bought Atari. Mm-hmm. I guess they just you know, got rid of it. So, uh, you know, it's kind of a weak way to go down, especially after picking up DMA design because, you know, those mm-hmm. guys are solid. Uh, but uh, the, uh, you know, that's how, hey, 1999 yeah. for an Amiga publisher, you know, and among others, but that's a good long run, sure. I thought. absolutely. You know, and at this point, <laughs> nothing can surprise you. <laughs> Um, the, uh, the, the game itself was very popular and it got released on a couple systems. Uh, it was, there, there was a, a version for the Atari ST and the Atari ST slash E. Um, the, uh, I didn't know this one, the, uh, the, and this name pops up again, the Acorn Archimedes. Right, I guess that was the. Uh, we got to look I into know, that. We already talked about. I think we already found out once, but we've already forgotten. Again. Well, I mean, no, I remember we talked about it, but I mean, this. I think it was the 16-bit version of the Acorn. What a great name! Yeah. I just love the name, the Archimedes. It yeah. sounds very impressive. Also, there was a wacky uh, version that was released for the Mega Drive slash Genesis, mm-hmm. as we call it in the states. Uh, the uh, the weird thing is the the uh, Genesis version is known as Lodo, Lotus Turbo Challenge instead of two and then lotus three is known as lotus two on the genesis it's like a final fantasy situation it's where, a, yeah, yeah. You, you got that right um <clears throat> so that's pretty much the long and short of the background uh the uh the fellows that did it uh like i said the uh sean southern uh was involved in it and uh he uh oh we should also mention, I guess, did, did you know about the hidden game in it? Before We'll get into that before we do it, just to get it out of the way. The the crazy quacks? Well, actually, the, uh, the in the second one, is if you type in ducks, mm-hmm. the uh, is that what it was yeah, called? Crazy That's quacks. The, so it had a name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know it's, it basically, I call it low-grade carnival. <laughs> <laughs> it's what, it's what, did you actually play this game? I did not actually play it, but I, I did hear that it was there. We might give it a go on the live stream. I uh, I did play it, and it's low-grade carnival. <laughs> if, you, if you've ever played carnival, like I know the, the version that I played quite a bit was on Coleco. On the ColecoVision. And uh, there was an arcade cabinet. Yeah. Are we talking about like Circus Atari kind no, of I thing? No, I mean Carnival. You sh- the sh- there's a gun at the bottom of the screen. You've got X amount of bullets and you shoot oh, at the targets. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what that was. But uh, 
What'd you think of the game, Bode? Well, I've got to say that I loved this game. Um, I'd never played Lotus uh, before, but I had played um, a game called Top Gear 2. And it was uh, also developed by Gremlin a little bit later on for the Super Nintendo. Okay. This game killed Top Gear 2. Um, I think that even though this is an older game, uh, there's a couple things that I really enjoy about this game and, and by, uh, by the same token, probably the whole series. Um, I don't like games that, uh, like, say, for example, like Pole Position, where if you screw up, you basically, you're screwed. You know, you blow up, and you have to start from scratch. Wait a minute. Are you saying you don't like Pole Position, but Oh, I don't like Pole Position. Oh, good God. I, All right. <laughs> I'm going to ignore that. Go ahead. Um, this game, it slows you down <laughs> when you hit obstacles, but you never just blow up and have to start from scratch. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I, I, it's, to me, it's just more forgiving, and it suits the, the console nature of the game. You know, it's not trying to suck quarters out of you like, like pole position is. Um, I really liked, you know, when you're driving on the, uh, the forest level, the first level, and you come to those trees that are down in the road. Uh, at first, I was like, man, stupid obstacles. I've got to avoid them. Then I accidentally hit one, and I realized they're not obstacles at all. They're ramps, you know, <laughs> and you can jump up. And even though this, this game very much takes place on a 2D plane uh, because it's, you know, it's sprites, uh, the sense of, of, uh, of going up and down, you know, the altitude of the course is they do a really good job. And it's not really... I don't really want to say it's scaling because I was trying to watch to see if the sprites did a lot of scaling. And I don't know that they really did a lot of it, but it's just it's something with the way that they're drawn and the, the sense of speed is very good. Yeah, the engine they used in this was was outstanding. When you when you get the one, I think it was the really the the most of the way through the first level when you start cresting those hills mm -hmm. and stuff. It's that you get a real interesting sense of of speed plus uh, uh, going over the top of something. It reminded me a lot of uh, if you ever played uh, what was it Turbo that used to that was the first game that was I remember doing that in particular kind of like kick over. It, it like kind of reminded me of Outrun or not. It Outrun, was a lot like Hang Outrun. On. It, actually, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or, or yeah, they're both kind of the same same deal. But that 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 effect is is very interesting. And and one thing this game did. And I, I watched the. Uh, I watched the Genesis version too, just to get a comparison, mm -hmm. and uh, which it, there is no comparison. This crushes the Genesis version. It was embarrassingly, you know, better. They really did a good job of conveying that you're hauling ass. Yeah, you know the uh, the. I mean, I, I'm not as keen on the, just bouncing off cars and stuff as you are, but if you if you parlay that into the overall game, it works because it's you're battling the clock. And those are just slowing you down. It's mm -hmm. the same thing, you know. Unlike say Outrun, and that is a that is a drawback on some of these racing games. Uh, when you have a big massive crash like Outrun, when you hit with the billboards, there's you're down. You're, there's a downtime, mm -hmm. and and granted, it's affecting your ability to get there before the timer runs out. But also, it's just boring. Right, you're just sitting there watching a the guy go back to the car, or the car mm -hmm. get put back on the street. Mm -hmm. This there's no downtime, and uh, and you know when you've screwed up, but you can kind of ease back in and you're always playing right and so that did make a difference right um i enjoyed the fact that they seem to make the uh the checkpoints at least on the early levels um pretty i mean like they're they're hard but they're not i can't tell you how many times when i first started playing i got almost to the end of the race you know yeah and, and, i mean you could see it pulling up and you're like boy i wonder if i can just coast to it and it really keeps you going it gives you an incentive when they put the carrot right in front of you versus 
like Zool or something where the carrot is 400 miles away. Um, it made me want to play more and more and more. The the effect of the placement of the checkpoints was quite brilliant, I yeah. thought. Now, yeah. I'm not going to lie. I did not get all the way through this on, <laughs> on one play. Uh-oh. Uh, but, I mean, I mean, all the way through the first level, yes, but not all the way through the whole game. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, the fact that it's almost amazing how close I would come to those checkpoints and, mm-hmm. then, and then that timer would run out and you just glide across it's so satisfying yeah, god yeah. cross that checkpoint you're yeah. like i'm back in the game <laughs> and, and unlike a lot of games and outrun i'll use that as an example a lot of times on outrun if you're barely making these checkpoints you're screwed yeah you're and not this gonna have one, if you time. have a good clean run between mm-hmm. checkpoints even if you glide it across there's a good chance you can make it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so, they never make it impossible for you to. You may have to drive a little tighter between the next two checkpoints, but you can still do it. Yeah. Um, the uh, just for just for the sake of, of knowledge, uh, there the stages on this there is a forest level. Uh, it has five checkpoints. The next level was the nighttime level. It had seven checkpoints. Uh, I thought that was a. I thought the night was a nice level. It mm-hmm. was very attractive. I loved it. Uh, the third level was fog. Fog was tough. Uh, it was the, the fog effect was quite good. It was. If you consider what you're playing this on, and keep in mind this was a one disc game mm-hmm. that ran on the OCS ECS. So I 1985 mean, hardware. Yeah, I mean it's amazing. The fogging effect was quite good, but I mean it was hard to see. Yeah, <laughs> you got no visibility, and night was like that too. It was hard to see. Uh, anyway, on the on the fog, there are eight checkpoints. The snow level, six checkpoints. Snow level was pretty fun. Um, hard. You can get bogged down if yeah. you get off the track. The, you know, the worst one for me on that was the desert. desert. Boy, yep. If you get off that, which yep. is the next one, 10 checkpoints, and that's a tough level. Mm-hmm. I like... I also like the little uh, entrance theme to these levels. I thought was funny, but the- yeah, it's it's funny because the, the, the music's really quite good. Uh, Barry Leitch, I don't know how you say his last name. He did the 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 music. And um, he, uh, the there's these themes that play on the kind of the loading screen, and uh, he and they're really good tunes. But again, we run into the same problem that we always do, where you have the sound of the engine, but you don't have the the background music. And don't get me wrong, the sound of the engine was great. I love that, but it would be a, it would have been nice to have both. Would have been nice to have. It's both. weird that on the uh, I believe on the third one you can pick a. It's a lot like Outrun. You can pick, pick your, a song, mm-hmm. you know. I would like to have a. I, this music does a, a help. It makes it more interesting to have a, some good rock and tune. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, if if it's a choice between music or sound effects, which it may have been at this point, I right. would probably have chosen sound effects. The, that, in a racing game like this, I yeah. think you're right. I think uh, you're right. The uh, anyway, so the desert ten checkpoints, the city eight checkpoints. Which I thought the city was was really cool i would love the part on the city where you well a lot of the track you can just drive in the other lane yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i was like well you know the funny thing about this it was and i saw this pointed out on a on a on a site i was on they were right uh the uh the uh the city if it was you're supposed to be driving across america in this mm-hmm. but in the city you're driving on the on the wrong side of the road <laughs> so are you really supposed to be driving across yeah, America? That's the that's the plot oh, of this. Okay. You're driving across America. Really? And I saw that on one of the re-releases, they switched it, mm-hmm. and so you start on the right side of the road, and the oncoming cars are coming in the left side. Hmm. You know, so it's they did it in reverse, but they said on the on that version, uh, getting into those trucks 
Did you actually get to play those levels? Yeah, I through, yeah, yeah. I yeah, play all the levels. I played all the levels. I uh, love this did you, game. Did you ever get under the truck? I didn't. Uh, I read later on the uh, an in game announcer goes, "Yeah, yeah. when uh-huh. you do it, did you do that?" I, I know. I never got it, but I heard it. I mm-hmm. watched. I watched the bit. But anyway, the city a lot of fun. The marsh, ten checkpoints of pain. That was, that was another. That's a brutal yeah. level. Mm-hmm. That was probably. I don't know which is my least favorite level. It was either the marsh or the fog. I didn't. The desert was my least favorite because uh, they were well. The desert being that mixed too. And then yeah. finally, which this was far and away the best level, and I can see why they saved it for last was the storm. Yeah, the storm was awesome. It's a thunderstorm. I mean, it's a literal thunderstorm. There's mm-hmm. lightning going off. There's thunder. There's rain driving down. Uh, it's got six checkpoints. It also had turbos on it, which I thought, why didn't they put those in more of the right. game? Because those were a lot of fun, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but uh, anyway, to go to go back to the beginning, uh, as it were, uh, the forest is a lot of fun. Uh, it's beautiful. It was a good choice for the first level. It's not incredibly hard. Um, did you have any trouble getting past the first level? Uh, it took me a while. Uh, I mean, yeah, at the, at the beginning, I uh, I ran out of time several times, but uh, I did beat the forest. Uh-huh. I, I as well. Now, uh, um, what did you think about the, I know in the first and certainly in the third, this was the, the game was set up in more of a, of a, of a circuit sort of way with name drivers. You're trying to beat guys. Mm -hmm. What did you think about the sort of the switcheroo on this where you're literally the other drivers and the traffic is just, uh, are just obstacles. Yeah. That to me, that's the biggest, the biggest downfall (laughs) of this game is they should have made the competition part of it, the the race part of it. You know, if you're going to have other track, other cars on the track, uh, you want them to be in the race too. And uh, and so if I was going to improve on the game at all, I would have done kept what they had in Lotus 1 mm-hmm. and, and just named all those guys. And then at the end, you know, you could even still be racing against the clock, but still you could see the rest of the times on there. And, and they, they got rid of the, of the gas gauge. Uh, from the first, and the funny thing is that one reappears. The third one, the 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 third one, which I know you didn't look at that much. I had a, I had a look at it because I'd played it back in the day, and uh, uh, not to go into a review on the third one, but I was very disappointed when that one came out. I remember how much I love this one, and really the third one is kind of ugly. Mm. It's not. I mean, it's not even close to being as an attractive a game, and the. Uh, uh, and it's just not as fun to play. But they added, they brought forth a lot of the concepts from the first one to kind of modernize it. It's it's a shame that they couldn't combine the first two into something, you know. Right. But this may be the point where we really hit the wall on the limitations of the hardware. Mm-hmm. Because uh, the, the third one just didn't have it. Yeah. You know, it had a lot of things going for it. But it it just couldn't get the job done as well uh, visually. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing about this game, if you lose that sense of speed, you you're done. Yeah, that's 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 the game. Yeah, I, uh, and it and they just they just couldn't quite quite get it in the third one. And the first one having to play on the half screen thing, I never liked that. Mm-hmm. You know. Now while we're on the subject, let's talk about multiplayer. Um, the uh, I didn't know this until I did this review. I knew you could play two people uh, on the uh, on the on the machine at the same time. Mm-hmm. I knew you could play over a link with two people. I didn't realize you could play over a link with four people. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Which is inc- that's incredibly impressive. Yeah, uh, for something of, of that era. I wonder. 
Fire me wonders if they put that in knowing that nobody would ever try it. So oh, they, people, <laughs> no, I, you know, from what I read, people tried it and it was a big draw, mm-hmm. you know, because they get their. Oh, yeah. You know, if you think about it, you have to have two copies of the game and two Amigas, but that's not a huge order. No. You know, it's uh, and people I'm, I'm guessing mostly UK people. I, you know, I couldn't confirm that this was released in the States. Could you mm-hmm. confirm or deny that? Yeah. I didn't. Uh, I I knew it was released in the UK and Europe, but I never I could never see there was an official release for the states. So mm-hmm. I don't know, but uh, I'm wagering a lot of people did that because I I read a lot of people talking to forums and stuff about how much they enjoyed that. Right. So that's again here's another Amiga game that comes down the pike before there's networking or anything, and it's got multiplayer, multi computer games. Yeah, I can only imagine how exciting that would have been. You go over, you know, you've got three other buddies that own Amigas and. Actually, you only need two. You only need one other person, right? Right. Yeah. Two, then, two on two. Yeah, two on two. Or one on one. Right. Which is all, and even the one on one, great because mm-hmm. half screen, especially back in those days, the monitors were a lot smaller. Yeah. You know, and so that's a that's you're losing a lot of screen space. Now, we sort of t- touched on this, but what were your what were your favorite levels in the game? Uh, I liked I liked the forest a lot. I liked uh, I liked the city. And I like the storm. Yeah, I think those are my top three. I think the storm, for the obvious reasons, mm-hmm. you know, the the, uh, the city was was neat. I really liked the I liked the tunnels. Yeah, uh, I like those. They did a good job. Yeah, on those. very realistic. You, given the rudimentary way that they did it, and it I mean, works. Yeah, it just works. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, the weather was good. You know, I like the rain aspects. I like the snow. The mm-hmm. snow level was interesting looking. Yeah. You know, really, it, this didn't fail anywhere in the graphics department. I mean, it, this is amongst the best-looking games I think we've seen. Yeah, absolutely. This, what did you think of the sound? I was disappointed with the in-game music. I thought the opening screen theme was mm-hmm. outstanding. Yep. That's a hallmark of Amiga oh, music. Yeah. And I'll tell you what I did. I liked the music so much that I pulled it up on YouTube. Yeah. And I just played, you know, just the loop of the music while <laughs> I was playing. Um, you know, the the music's great. It would have been great if you could have had both. But I didn't. I never turned down. Even when I was playing along with music, I kept the engine sound on, too. And I just had to deal with, at the end of every race, having two <laughs> different tracks going at once. But, uh, but yeah, I loved it. Uh, probably the best music of any game that we've done on this show. I think I have I think to ponder that. I really like the Super Fog song. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's true. I, uh, I I really like the theme. Uh, again, I wish there was more of it uh, to uh, and to fig- to fill out the game. Something I noticed on some of the levels is that the uh, the uh, I know in the first game, people I guess complained that all the cars look the same. And on this one, they tried to change the colors up a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, but it looks like they were restricted to their palettes on some levels. Because I saw, like, on the example of the desert level, the cars looked like they were all, like, rusted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, rusted-looking hogs. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, I like the fact that on the uh, – and the swamp level was tough. And on the, and some other levels did this, too, where you could uh, – there would be water all over the track. And you could hit the tree, like you mentioned, and jump up mm-hmm. over the thing. That's always that's always fun. Yeah, that – the turbos on the, on the, uh, the uh, rain level – just, I, I just wish there would have been a little bit more. I mean, you don't want to turn it into Mario Kart, but having at least one thing on every level, it's kind of special like that would have been would have been really cool. Yeah, uh, you know, I would wager with two or four people, this would be a lot of fun. Though, I mean, this is a game I could definitely see having a good, good time playing multiplayer on. Yeah, uh, which I, I've played multiplayer on the on the one monitor, but I think it, that would that would add a lot a lot to it. Uh, I don't know if there's a way to see your opponent's position. I noticed one thing on the Genesis version was uh they would actually show a map 
of what of the track you were on mm-hmm. that would have that would have been nice yeah yeah and that's something that they did with top gear 2 also the one the the game that i did i, I played on the super nintendo i just i just wonder if this was just because i think the genesis version came out uh a good uh, i mean at least probably a year later don't you think that i'm not the, i didn't write version. down the year it came out but i, I would say it was later mm-hmm. i will say something else about the genesis but first of all if you've got an Amiga, don't ever go by the Genesis version. <laughs> the song that comes up at the beginning is is uh, is an insult to the actual Amiga song. It's it's brutal, and the Genesis is capable of a better uh, sound palette than that. And then the actual game again, it's clunky looking. It looks it's almost like seven, Atari seven eight hundred oh, level. Wow. It's just really chunky. You know, Are you so, familiar with the uh, subliminal message in the uh, the title track? <laughs> you know, I read that somewhere, and I listened for it, and I could not hear it. It's, I guess it's subliminal. Yeah, I guess you know maybe you've got to go into the mod file and uh, and you know really take out some of the other channels so you could hear it. I could never hear it either. It's a good idea that did not work. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I only caught part of the message or it said copy, copy this game. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, I know they released this uh, like a compilation of this on the CD32. Uh, I guess it's pretty much just the three games mm-hmm. That's from what I could from what I could tell. Uh, the uh, the uh, again it came on one floppy. I uh, just for fun, like I've been doing here recently, I looked on eBay <clears throat> to see what this would set you back. This is not what I would call a cheap game. Uh, again, your mileage may vary uh, on these prices, but uh, I saw people selling just the floppy disk, no box, and even just the floppy disk was going. You know, and of course, once you combine shipping in, you're looking at over over twenty bucks. Wow! The uh, box version, the low end, I saw a mushed up box going for somewhere around twenty seven bucks. This is these are U.S. dollars. Oh, by the way, good luck finding this in the U.S. You're ordering overseas. I'm gonna tell you that right now. Uh, and then, but in the U.K., you're looking, you know, th- pretty much thirty thirty bucks at the very very low end, and then on up to scale. So you're probably if you find one for under thirty bucks shipped, mm-hmm. you're doing you know American, you're doing pretty good. There aren't a ton of them out there either that I could. I mean, there were a few. It wasn't something I saw pop up a lot. Right. So, so if you're if you're interested in picking this one up to play, and I wouldn't blame you, uh, you know, you're gonna show out a few bucks. Well, it's time. It's time for the score. Okay, and I'm slightly dreading this because I tried and tried and pretty much got to the same place every time. I forgot to write it down, but I did write it down on my phone. Well done. Let's see. I'll okay. go ahead and announce mine first okay. while you're looking. Go ahead. My score was 5,930,945. All right. Let me make sure I get all my... It's so many numbers that he has to actually he has to expand the screen here. Turn it sideways, boat. That way you can get the whole thing on there. <laughs> okay. My score is... 16,006,420. So you obviously completed at least two of the levels. No. No, I completed only two. I almost finished the city. See, I, I, I got to the Twilight level. That's as far as I could get. Or no, the... Uh, but yeah, I almost, I almost the finished the, the, the nighttime level. Yeah, I, I I did. That's about a third of the way through was that score. So, so yeah, <laughs> well, I, thoroughly uh, crushed. The the first time that I that I beat the first level, I recorded my score uh, and I got seven million something. I'm wondering if something 
You should have more score than that. Nope. Uh, and I'm, and by the way, for our listeners, I, I uh, cranked this up on the Amiga 1200 uh, and uh, played it on the native hardware. So, I, but that's that was what I scored. Huh. All right. Well, we're going to go head to head here in a few minutes anyway. So Look, be gentle. <laughs> All right, Aaron. Next week we are going to play Turrican Two. We've had a couple requests for it, and uh, the time has finally come. So look forward to that. Uh, tune in next week for a, a new edition of the Amigos. And until next time, adios. adios.